0: And the is win! Helena is no longer
1: undefeated! I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious.
0: Barons win! Barons win! Cody Jansen stopped 92 out of 95 shots, including a penalty shot in overtime. Somehow he still only wound up the third star of the game. You like that? Jansen
2: has a heart. You're smoking crack!
1: Let's get it going. No time to waste today. Oh, has it been busier? What in the hockey world? Did I miss something? I was thinking we're getting a Wednesday. Maybe a little chill. Maybe we'll get a cool guest on to tell some stories. And you're damn right, we got that. But we also got a million other stories to get to today. It's World Hockey, your part presented by Lordco Auto Parts, the official... Auto parts retailer of Hockey Canada and Team Canada. Yeah, that's right. It's Cody Jansen here. Follow me on social media at Janner31 underscore and at World Hockey RPT. You can chime in anytime. Join the conversation. We're on 12 Ounce Sports, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, the website, Zingo TV, Channel 761 as well vaccinations that's a hot topic today you know we're going to dive into that we got uh you know a couple of comments from ken holland earlier that's locked and loaded to go in the vault whenever we're ready to roll with that plus a couple of guys maybe come to camp unvaccinated jack eichel is he going to pass his physical even we got more van der kane issues oh boy there's a ton to get to but hey, if you're on your way to the rink or you're planning a trip to the rank Lord Co Parts, they can ensure you've got everything you need for a smooth ride, from bright white headlight replacement bulbs for increased visibility during early morning or late night commutes to battery maintainers, they're going to ensure your vehicle starts when the temperature drops outside. You know that's happening, we're in Alberta. going to happen. Visit Lord Co Parts, visit them uh, today for knowledgeable service quality parts and accessories, or visit lordco.com to find a store near you. You can't go anywhere else. Lord Co. is the place to be. It's Cody Jansen with you live for the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios today in beautiful Alberta. Big show lined up. We'll get to some open line stuff. Capri has got a new got a new contract here. Maybe we'll get a couple of calls in on, on that one here. Open lines going on right now. we got former NHLer Chris Verstee going to come on. You know, you know Steger's going to bring the heat every time. He's also got Clever. And we've got Pat Micheletti, former NHLer. Yeah, we are going to be talking to Pat about the Kaprazov deal. The phone line's buzzing already. Let's get to it right now. Hey, you're on with Cody and World Hockey Airport.
3: Hey, Janner, How we doing, buddy?
1: This is hoppy, isn't it? It sure is, man. What's going on, Hoppy? You're the first caller of the day, and we were just going to dive into, I mean, we got Pat McAuletti coming on later to talk about the Caprazov deal. Give me your thoughts.
3: Oh, man, that's a great way to tee it up. So basically anything I say here that's dumb will be immediately corrected by Pat. Exactly. Um, You know what, man? Speculation's over, right? I mean, it's crazy what can happen in 36 hours. A couple days ago, I'm pretty sure anyone that like had prematurely named their pets after Kaprizov were ready to sacrifice him because they didn't think he'd be here for training camp.
1: So with, with this deal, was there any surprises? Are you happy with it?
3: Oh, I think happy is maybe not the right word. At the end of the day, the deal's done and that makes me happy. I don't think it's subjective at all to say that it's more than someone with his track record should be paid. But at the end of the day, he's a pivotal player moving forward for this team, and they had to get him done, and they got him done for the five years that Garen needed to get him done for.
1: So they get him for a couple of years uh, that he would be a UFA as well. Does that make you believe, in? especially how he's got a no-move clause in those last two years, which means they can't dish him out at the deadline. Does this make you think that he wants to get to UFA status and get the hell out of Minnesota?
3: I don't think it necessarily means that it certainly could, but for me, it just means he wants the flexibility to do so if this all hits the fan, right? Like looking at the team right now, especially with the uncertainty with the buyouts of Parisian suitor, who knows what this team's going to look like at the end of this deal for him? If they're in a position to contend, which with everything Darren and Bracket are doing, you know, certainly optimistic. But hey, if they're in a good spot, why wouldn't he want to stay and go down as literally? The best, undisputedly, the best player in franchise history. But if things aren't looking great, yeah, why not jump ship, make more money, and go somewhere that's, well, I guess more of a Russian destination, if you will.
1: One last one: How much do you think that having NHLers goes to the Olympics this year impact him signing? Do you think that that played a big part in him saying, "Alrighty, I'll play in the NHL"? I mean, it
3: definitely doesn't hurt, right? Cause I could definitely see that being a reason that he would have hung out for one more year to be able to play for the Olympic team and then jump back next year. But I guess that's a good question. I really don't know how much that might've been a factor.
1: Hoppy, you're the man. Give everyone your Twitter handle.
3: For sure. You can find me at state of Hoppy and you can listen to our show at the Sota pod.
1: Appreciate you calling in today, man. Take care. Of course. Hey! right there <laughs> go give him a shout out it's SodaPod Isha's there as well Hoppy's awesome hey good it's the open line if you want to call in we'll give out the number it's 825-439-9119 that's 825-439-9119 we'll get to some calls if you want as well but there's so much to get to and I got to give my thoughts on the Oilers here This could could this get me in trouble yes yes it, it fully could but I have to say it, and especially after the Alex Stalock news broke today, I got a lot of thoughts. Here's Ken Holland. Earlier, though, we'll let him explain it from the media availability. What's happening with the Oilers' third attendee?
4: Uh, Alex Staloc, um He, you know, he had um, COVID before the 56 game season i think last year in january and obviously missed part and then he was cleared um he came obviously was with us all year on the taxi squad at the end of the year um we did a physical then he went home he wanted to have uh, um, additional tests and through these additional tests he he found out that um he maybe has some kind of a heart condition he's seen a couple of cardiologists he's looking to uh, get um, additional opinions I would say to you right now that based upon where we're at today um, I don't anticipate that he'll play hockey this year but if he does get um, further opinions um, it might change his decision. I talked to his agent yesterday, Ben Hankinson. I've talked to Alex a couple of times in the last week. I know he was ready to call me about two weeks ago. He was all excited about coming to camp and um, pushing for a job. And then uh, over the last two weeks um, has got some um, opinions different than the, the opinions that he had previously. So he's he's um, looking for additional information before he um Decides to play.
1: And here's what pisses me off about that. And I got one more. If I want to talk about this, the Oilers do have one unvaccinated player. I guess I'll, I'll roll this clip now and then I'll get to my point.
4: Um, as we speak today, when the season starts, I would anticipate that we'll have one player that's unvaccinated. Um I've talked to him a few times. I'm um, not sure where he's at. I get to talk to him here in the next day or so
1: you got to talk to him in the next day or so? What's happened the whole offseason? How has this not been addressed? How is this dragging on out until day one of main camp? The preparation's a failure here. And then, when you want to add on top that Duncan Keith, who reportedly got a J&J shot in the States, one shot, that's what it was supposed to be, not approved or not recognized in Canada, whatever, so he's got to get a second shot, and he's got to quarantine... But at training camp, they can have an unvaccinated player? Help me if I'm seeing something wrong and join the conversation, of course. I don't care if you're watching Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever. Give me your thoughts on this because maybe I'm the crazy one here. Maybe I'm way off. But how does this make any sense that you can have a fully unvaccinated player at camp, but someone who's got one shot, maybe even his second shot, has to quarantine? I'm not a doctor, but that just sounds stupid. And also, if you're Ken Holland and company, you literally have Alex Stalock, who you had to talk about today, have his career almost, oh, well, it, it possibly could be ended because of heart issues that are coming post-COVID, getting COVID. So now you're going to allow an unvaccinated player to training camp? I don't know. I got some issues with that. That does not rub the right way. And and how you've got Columbus with the stones to say, hey, if you're not vaccinated, don't bother coming. Eric, our social media manager, chimes in, says Keith uh, reportedly skated with the team once already in the unofficial team skates. He did. Eric, you're completely correct. He skated in the captain skates. And so now he's got a quarantine because he's got a second shot? Or NHL protocols dictate that? Oh, my goodness. And also, I mean, this isn't going to... There's, you know, the unvaccinated player going to miss about 30-so games. Can't travel to the States. That's NHL protocol. Is it worth it? You got Tyler Bertuzzi in Detroit. He's not vaccinated yet. He's only going to miss uh, uh, like half of those. But it's still going to cost them $400,000, $500,000 for the season. So for the Oilers, if this isn't a top six player, I think you got to say, hey, pack your bags and get your ass out of town. Or get vaccinated. Why would we go through this? And, And I'm not here to speculate on who it is exactly, but everyone's seen the tweets coming from Josh Archibald. No matter what side of the spectrum, sure, you may not be fully comfortable with it, but again, You've got a job to do, and the NHL's private business, they can mandate whatever they want, and you have to follow through. So for the Oilers to risk having a third or fourth line player miss 30 to 40 games, what about playoffs? It just doesn't make sense how this has got so far out of hand, and it's a complete failure, in my opinion, Based on the fact that the Oilers have Alex Stalock right now, who was penciled in to be their third goaltender, if not compete for a backup role, have his career borderline ended due to issues after COVID. That pisses me off. There's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way at all to sugarcoat that. Other stories going on that we are going to talk about. We already talked to uh, deal. The phone lines are open there. Hoppy got in early. Uh Kaprizov got five years, $9 million, $45 million total. A uh, couple other signs I'll rip through. Elvis Merzikin's in Columbus. Five years, five point four million per for him. Uh Cal Peterson. In LA got three by five, 15 million That's a lot, is that not? I seen uh Matt Nafid chimed in, said oof. That seems like a hefty payment. Uh Rasmus Deleen's done three years, six million, get him to UFA Stennis, get him out of Buffalo, and Robert Thomas, two by two point eight in St. Louis. I, I got a couple of comparables as well. Let me know your thoughts in the chat anytime. Or on Twitter at World Hockey RPT, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you are watching from, I want to know some comparables here. Because is Elias Pettersson is that a comparable for Kaprizov? Is he should he be signing a five by nine? Should he be signing a five by eight? Is he as good as Kaprizov? Is he as big of a game changer? I'm not sure. I think if you got to choose one or the other, I think Kaprizov is a player who nine out of ten NHL GMs would probably take. Over Elias Pedersen. And for Cal Peterson now, is he a $5 million goaltender? After having, what, a 9-11 last year? Linus Ulmark got $5 million, and he had a 9-17 on the worst team in the league. Buffalo was trash last year, and Ulmark had a 9-17. He was that much better than Cal Peterson. And they got the exact same deal a little bit last term. A high price to pay if you're LA. Now you got Rasmus Delane, three by six. You can try compare him to Quinn Hughes. I think the offensive side is a little little bit different. Obviously, Daniel chimes in. Do you expect Edmonton to do something with their goalies here? Yes, and I believe that Elliott Friedman did say on 32 thoughts that they're going to be looking at likely another veteran goaltender as that third guy. Because you don't want Stuart Skinner or Ilya Kanovalov to be that third goaltender because that keeps them out of the minors and that means that they're not going to be playing games because they're not NHL goaltenders right now. They're not. And so what's the point of having them be practice guys? Skinner's going to get a full season down in the minors and konovalov I think there's still an adjustment in his game that needs to happen. Just watch him in that rookie game. He wasn't bad against the Flames. He only allowed two. They had two empty netters that they allowed. He's not bad. He's going to get preseason time against some real teams, you'd have to assume. But he's definitely not ready for the NHL. I will stick by that one 100%. We asked it on Twitter at RPT as well. You know, who would you rather have as your third goalie this season? We included stalock We didn't know the, the the health issues. He got forty eight percent of the votes. Konvalinka kind of got twenty nine percent. Stuart Skinner got twenty three. I think from here on out, and and I don't know the exact names of someone they might consider going after. Obviously, you know you, you don't look to trade and bring in someone with a big cap hit. I mean, I would have said that Craig Anderson would have been perfect, but why would he really, really want to come? Uh, Daniel back. said, uh, Conneval is going to be good, but I expect him to be ready next year. I think that's a lot more of a fair assessment, Daniel. I really do. I think that it's going to take some time, but I also like the competition factor now, and not to say Olivier Ron Riggs doesn't have a single chance or a sniff at the NHL, but he's nowhere near, nowhere near where he needs to be, especially on a Stuart Skinner you know, or Connor Those are two pretty, pretty elite guys. We got to head off to a commercial break, though. Coming up next, we got Chris Versteeg, former NHLer. Chandler. He's going to join us. It's Cody Jansen, and you are locked and loaded to World Hockey Report. It's a beautiful Wednesday in Alberta. Back with Chris Versteeg after this. <laughs>
0: Travel Tours is the official tour supplier to the Spangler Cup Ice Hockey Tournament in Switzerland. Nestled amongst the stunning Swiss Alps is the exclusive resort of Davos. This December, teams from all around the world will compete in the world's oldest invitational hockey tournament, the Spangler Cup. Sport Travel Tours packages include incredible hotels, amazing tickets, and a New Year's Eve party in the mountains to remember. Check out SportTravelTours.com
1: today. Week two of football's in the books. Now it's time to get ready for week number three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet a dollar on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a $1 bet on any week three game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If not, they got daily fantasy contests and they'll give it all new customers a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required one per customer restrictions apply cdraftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9 with it All right, so we'll talk your portion by Lord Co Auto Pirates Cody Jansen with you here, Joy former NHLer, Two time Stanley Cup winner, Christopher Steeg joins us. Steger, how's summer been?
2: It's been good. It's uh I got my kids hockey going now and my company and a lot of things. So it's been it's been a busy summer, but it's been great, especially just to see kids back playing again where they should be on the ice, being around each other. It's been uh it's been an amazing uh, few weeks seeing all that.
1: So all in all,
2: summer's been great.
1: Maybe even a little busier than when you were playing, eh? so <laughs> uh, <why>, yeah, <laughs> hockey wise, hockey wise, I gotta ask. You, I'm up by Edmonton here. I'm dealing with Oilers fans every day. You could be the most popular guy in hockey media in Edmonton based on the way you talk about the refs. Hey, do you ever think the NHL is going to change how they ref their stars?
2: If they wanna go to the next level, if they wanna take their business to the next level, and if they wanna promote their superstars, which they should be already at the next level, then they have to change. They can't keep this way of allowing superstars to take punishment. Their careers getting ended early, whether it be through concussions or or issues, obviously there it's a lot better today than it was when I started, way better, not even close. It still's got some room to go to go. But when I say protect the superstars it's because before every game i played in and every hockey player uh, if you're playing against a superstar the first thing you talked about in the room is going after them getting in their way bumping them getting them off their game and then after that it comes down to just playing your game You're, you're not focused on the fourth line or third line you're focused on those stars they take more abuse than anyone and the nhl needs to do this sooner than later these superstars i've been saying it forever we're only seeing 70%, 70, 80 would be at the high end of what they actually can do. We need to let them go to another level, which would bring our game to another level. It would bring out their personalities more because they know that they could play their game actually without being hampered all the time. So I think there's a long way to go. It's still a long way to go. It's better than what it was, but it's what the league needs if they ever want to take that next step.
1: Well, if we're at 70%, then I'm afraid Connor McDavid might have a 200-point season and really flip the league on its head again. Hey, uh, you know, that's enough on the media side, though. I want to dive into you a little bit. What, what was it like growing up in North Lethbridge with Mitch? Were you guys just running around being rascals the whole time? Or what, what happened? You guys just started dominating hockey, and you're like, hey, I think I got a career in this.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what. When everyone asks where'd you grow up, it's North Lethbridge. I grew up on North in North Lethbridge on the North side. And it's pretty much what shaped me and my brothers here today. So, um, I, I, just even remember talking about, like, I watched my kids play street hockey and I was like, Oh man, I remember when the ball went on the grass, it was full contact, right? Full contact on the grass. There was me and the neighbor, Kellen, his name was, this kid was a tough kid, but anyways, it was a full on brawls on the grass every day. Our parents coming out, kids crying, fighting on the lawn. Cause someone got rocked too hard. It was just, it was crazy how different it is. Um, But it's it's, it's what shaped me today, growing up in that part of town. I have so many great friends that are still back on the north side. And, uh, yeah, I I loved it. I had an incredible childhood.
1: Okay, so, you know, once you go through juniors, you're kind of going, hey, yeah, I'm pretty damn good at this. You take a quick little rip in the American League, go over a point per game, not a big deal. But what was your welcome to the NHL moment, Chris? Like, like when were you kind of, you're, you're sitting there, you're on the ice maybe, and you're going, holy shit, I'm in the NHL
2: yeah holy shit was the words exactly it might have even uh, i don't know if i can use an f-bomb oh yeah this you can, I,
1: this this is a free platform
2: it, yeah well yeah it was holy fuck i am lined up next to jerome Ginla. i Ooh. there's still a picture it, there's still a picture in my basement uh at the face off i was on the ice with robert lang i remember it was my first ever game in calgary so basically my hometown with all my friends and family there and i just remember like I'm here, like, I'm here, and it, and like, I remember standing next to Iggy, and he looked like a video game character, almost, it almost didn't seem real, I was like, is this actually him, you know, and then he gave me a cross-check off the face-off, I'm like, oh man, I just got cross-checked by Jerome again, like, you know, it's, uh, it was an experience that was almost an out-of-body, I can't really explain to you what I felt, it's like, I, you know, when we grew up, there was the only time you could watch NHL highlights was like every 30 minutes to an hour. You would have to sit on Sportsnet, TSN or the score and wait, right? It's not today where you can get constant media of every game. You could go on the internet and do whatever. So we weren't always seeing these guys. So when we saw them, it was almost like these God figures to me anyways. I don't know what it felt like to anyone else. But Aginla in Southern Alberta was a God down there. And so when i got to the nhl that was basically like probably the fifth or sixth time i've ever been in an nhl building and i'm next to him and everyone's there and again yeah it was it wasn't even reality to me it was was unbelievable
1: that's a pretty good guy to be lined up against i know i've talked to other guys they're kind of like oh maybe when i played against mario or lined up against brett hall jerome mcginla for someone who grew up in alberta or Saskatchewan, the prairies in general yeah he was probably one of the best or especially in those uh 2000s and i
2: exactly and I can kind of expand on that in uh 2004 uh right before actually I got drafted to Boston uh I was cheering for like I was always an Edmonton fan right crazy Edmonton fan um but what happened was is Calgary was going far in the playoffs and finally I was like I'm going to join in on all these Calgary parties There was parties all over Lethbridge right every night I had like a a puck on my head I was cheering on Aggie, you know and then two and a half years later I'm playing against him it was wild
1: things For three t- years like th- things things change pretty quick there hey let's go to 2010 obviously you know with, with the Hawks you guys win the cup but I, I want to talk about you here you scored two in the Stanley Cup Finals. there is that one of your best years of hockey ever I mean personally you were just tearing it up in playoffs you were buzzing around too
2: yeah, I, I mean, the year before, actually, in playoffs as a rookie, having 12 points in 17 games was some of the best hockey i played, too. And um, those two playoff runs, uh, I, I had one bad round. I think it was against Nashville in the 2010 playoffs. I didn't play my best, but the, uh, sure those others. Yeah, he let me know each and every second that round. But I, that that next round against Vancouver was arguably the best hockey maybe I've ever played in my life. And then, yeah, being able to score a couple of goals in the Stanley Cup Finals. Again, those are those moments that uh, you remember forever. But the biggest thing I remember about the Stanley Cup Finals is um, game one in Chicago. I always was the DJ and I put the list together for On the Ice. And we came out to Eminem. um, What's the Eminem song? uh, Walk Together? Or when it's like, uh, I can't think right now. Um, but whatever, it's the Eminem song that came out in 2010. You'll find it. Not afraid. Sorry. Not afraid. Okay. Okay. And, and it was playing and it was like that kind of speech that leads the song and we're walking on the ice. And I remember Kaner skating around and he looks at me in the face and the whole stands is packed. Like everyone's already there for warmups and Caner just looks at me and he goes, holy shit, this is crazy. That was still like a, a vision ingrained in my mind. Like we're in the Stanley cup finals, this six songs pumping and this place is packed and we're about to play hockey it was uh yeah that's a moment that even almost more than the game stands out to me
1: chills yeah i mean the chicago stadium it's one of the best barns in the league especially when you guys were having playoff success i can't even imagine hey a quick math question for you here let's talk about that cup parade what was your blood alcohol content at when you jump up there and start rapping
2: yeah, let's just say I was uh, hurting a little bit. And I, rem- I, I I remember doing it at the time. I was like, wow, this is like I'm rapping in front of literally three million people. And then after that, I remember I went for a nap and I woke up and all my buddies are like, what did you just do? You know, and they're, they're like, it's on uh, I, I was on I think it was Twitter or something. It was on everywhere at that time. And they're like, do you even remember? I was like, yeah, I, know, I remember. Was it a great decision? I don't know. But it ended up looking at pretty funny in the end.
1: Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Hey, let's dive into that bag now. i, I got to get a celebration story. Come on. I know you're rolling with Vince and those guys. What was it like after you win the first one?
2: Yeah, that, that first Stanley Cup was wild. And I remember we went to this rooftop party. Um, I can't remember which, which bar it was, but we're all just sitting there as a team having drinks. And obviously Vince was there with us. And, um, I knew Vince's wife a little bit because she's actually from, uh, the Prairies. Uh, her family's from Vulcan and I knew some mutual friends. So that's how I actually got to know Vince was through some mutual friends through his wife. And he ended up coming to the party that night and the, the cup that, or the hat that I wore when we won the Stanley cup. So the one on the ice, I wore it for like two straight days. Uh, I actually gave it to Vince. So there's actually a picture out there somewhere. I still have it. Vince wearing the hat that I gave him that I wore on the ice. I wonder if he still has it today. I haven't talked to them. My wife still talks to his a couple times a year, but uh, I'd be actually interested to see if he still has it today.
1: Not bad. Not bad. Okay. I mean, I, I brought up Q in a joking way already, and we got to get one of those stories because the one that sticks out, I don't remember where I heard it, but it's the through the legs one where you tried it and he was not having any of it. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it might've been with your time in Chicago or someone else, but you did score a through the legs goal. Didn't you?
2: Yeah, I think I scored three in the NHL. Oh, geez, okay. I Florida, Carolina, and Chicago. So, yeah. I remember this is 2007. Remember? So it's still a little bit of the old guard and I'm coming down the ice, uh, on a one-on-one and I kind of take it wide and I'm going at full speed and I put it through my legs almost on my offside, and it actually goes off the crossbar and out. It was like a really hard shot. I was like, wow, that was sick. You know, and I kind of remember thinking, I'm like, I'm going to get on TSN if that goes in. Like I was like, again, a rookie thinking like that, that's a big thing. And, uh, I kind of hear he's on the bench. He's like, did he just do that? Did he just do that? And so I was like, I come back to the uh, back bench. He's like, Steger, what the fuck? Junior shit. Junior shit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, don't you ever try that again? And I'm like, okay. So the period ends, he brings me into the hallway and he starts screaming at me about being junior shit again. We end up, this is against the avalanche avalanche. That was period one. So the game ends, I think it's over. We get to the rink the next day for practice. He goes again. He shows the video, me shooting through the legs, hits the crossbar out. All the guys start laughing, right? Again, he's like, Stever, no, that's junior shit. Now he's like, I don't want to see anyone do that. Stever, and he's yelling at me again, calling it junior shit. And then all of a sudden, practice starts, and the first drill, I remember we're doing like this like line shooting, and Kane and Bufflin are shooting the puck through their legs just to prove a point that they can and I can't. So... It was, uh, it, those are fun days, but it was, uh, man, he yelled at me for probably 24 hours straight.
1: Now, now who gave a better speech, Q or Chris Barch?
2: Yeah, Chris Barch actually gave a good one, too. He just went around the whole room and ripped everybody. That was, uh, I think it was on Missing Curfew. Me and Uppy were telling it. We were in a bit of a losing streak. We ended up winning the, the division that year and losing in double, seven, or double overtime game seven against uh, New Jersey, who we went to the cup finals. But, it was probably, I don't know, three quarters of the way through the season. We were struggling, lost a few games in a row, and Barch came around to each guy on the room, and just ripped them, like ripped them. And then he came to me. I still remember. And he drew, like he took the marker and he went to the boards and he drew about ten feet inside the blue line and ten, uh, and the whole neutral zone and ten feet inside the other blue line. And then he like scrubbles it all and he goes, Steger, are you are you a top five player on your Stanley Cup team? And I'm like, no. And he goes. Well, then stop making fucking plays in this area. Stop making plays in this area, and he's screaming, you know. But I remember he went around to each guy in the room except Joe Vanosky and ripped them a new one. It was, uh, it was comical. But after that, we actually went on a heater, and I, I again, we we won the division, and I uh, had a pretty. I mean, we lost first round, but it was a great playoff series.
1: That's hilarious. Hey, I I've got to ask because I I got to hear your side of the story or your story. You can probably tell it. Okay, you got to walk me through. You're in Toronto and some guy goes and he spits on your car or he, you know he scrapes your car. What happens there with this whole vandalism story? You got to tell it.
2: Well, it starts off with uh, I'm struggling in Toronto the first 10 games. I might have had like one assist. Oh no, I had one goal and one assist in my first 10, 10 or 11 games and it's like struggling. And they thought they got Doug Gilmore and they got Doug Glatt, basically. So, um I remember I lived in this uh, high rise. So it's like underground parking. And I come there the one day and people wrote in the dust, you suck, you know, fuck you all this. And I'm like, Oh man, this is Toronto. You know, I come the next day and I had a matte black wrap. So on a Audi R8. And so it, it luckily it wasn't paint, but they were carved into the matte part with the key saying you suck. And then they spit on my windshield and, They like carved in or they wrote in the paint or the the dust and everything. So they were like carved all over it. And it was like, fuck you, you suck and all this. So anyways, I get to the rink that day. I'm like, someone's spitting on my car in my parking garage, you know. And uh, Dion's enough. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of funny. But like, good thing I have a wrap on there and not my paint, right? Um, So anyways, the media happens. I'm getting interviewed that day. They're probably asking me how brutal I was so far to start the season. And Dion comes in, and Dion's like, Steger, how's your car? How's the spit on your car? So, all the media all of a sudden turns around. They're like, what's going on? And Dion's like, yeah, his car got spit on and keyed this morning. You know? So, the media tells it's me, sure, I never yeah. wanted to tell them. Yeah. And then the media is going off now, and I'm like, yeah, my car got spit on and keyed. Like, what do you want me to do? And, uh, uh, it goes, uh, next day I hear, I, I turn on the TV and I think it was OTR and I can't remember there was someone. Um, and I, pro- I think I know exactly who it is, but I remember, uh, them saying, Oh, he's complaining about his $150,000 car getting spit on and keyed. And I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, you moron, like you moron. Like, I don't care if that was a $5 car. If you get anything you're spit on in Key, I, I hope you'd be pissed off. And second, I didn't bring it to the media. Dion thought it was funny, which it ended up being funny. And, you know, Dion being funny as he is. But um, yeah, I was like, I can't believe they're just rinsing me on that. And uh, that's where I, I remember I went back to the meeting. I'm like, well, how would you feel if you got your car spit on in Key? And then that didn't work in my favor because they're like, look at them bitching about it still. So.
1: Okay, I got one more about Toronto. You, you lived with Phil, right? That
2: had to have been yeah, a riot. Was, yeah, Phil was my roommate. He was, uh, he's one of the best guys I've ever played with just a salt of the earth. One of the like, most caring people. I still remember actually when I got, I still remember when I got traded. Sorry, my daughter's yelling. Uh, I still remember when I got traded and, uh, you know, he called me and he was pretty like emotional, you know, and. He's like, man, you know, it was great being your roommate. So I still remember that kind of connection we had. We had a great connection. We also knew each other from our time in Boston uh, when he had testicular cancer and he had to come down to the minors and play with me and David Krejci on the line in the A for a few games. Um, that was that was a fun few games to tell you. But um, So we had that connection, and then just every day was comedy, every day. I, I told the story a few times already. We're in Pittsburgh, and the he would always – put the blinds shut with a clothes hanger and the clothes hanger fell off in the morning so the sun was peering through the blinds right in his face. And he's like, Oh my God, speaker, turn the lights out. Turn it I'm like, fuck Phil, stand up and put the clothes hanger back on, you know? That was just like that was daily stuff going on with him.
1: That's a great impression right there. Okay. I got I got two more for you. One spangler cup. You gotta go play in that. You know, it was a couple of years ago now Obviously, it's one of the coolest tournaments in the world. We're partnering with Sports Travel Tours. They're taking a group there. We'll talk about that more later on. But like Spangler, what's that like as a player? What was that like being your first experience, I'd assume, in Davos? And, I mean, what's the party like there? It's a scene.
2: Yeah, that was uh, an unbelievable experience. It was actually great because... Our team had very, a lot of players in very similar positions. A lot of players that played between probably six and 12 years in the NHL, uh, Upshaw's, Andrew McDonald's, a lot of guys. So we all knew that was our last big event and pretty much most of our last times ever playing hockey. Uh, So we, I went into that tournament thinking like, I'm going to lay it all on the line. And we did, and we spanked everyone. I, I think we only allowed four goals in that whole tournament Uh, We outscored every team by four or five goals, Uh, but it was just a bunch of guys that laid it all on the line uh, because it was our one last time, pretty much playing, you know, playing the sport we love. So it was it was great chemistry, great group of guys. There was a great party after we won, but I broke my foot in the gold medal game, and everyone was flying me around Davos on this slide. It was like a sled, so I was getting pulled around Davos from bar to bar on this sled. Um, but yeah, what a great party afterwards. It was a lot of fun and it was just great to be there. I had my, I flew my parents out, um, my stepmom as well, my, you know, my stepbrothers, um, who else was there? My, my, my two brothers. It was, it was a great time. All my family was there. Uh, just knowing that was a, you know, one last big hockey experience, but yeah, you're, you're going to have a heck of a time.
1: Sure, there's a lot of water left over in Davos after that trip there. I know the Hockey Canada lets the wine flow a little bit. Now, I, I'd be reminisced if I didn't ask about playing for Bob Hartley in, in Russia. I mean, come on, you have to have one funny Russia story for everyone here.
2: Well, I mean, I got bag skated a lot by Bob. He was His practices, I, I could not believe how hard they were. And I was coming back. I had shingles, right? I got so sick when I got to Russia. I had some stomach virus for, like, the first three weeks. Lost probably 10 pounds. <clears throat> and then I got shingles. And it just, it was tough. So I remember that week trying to come back to play. Um, I got bags. I remember I flew into, I think it was, uh, I saw that. You live? Uh, It's like a couple-hour flight from Moscow. Get off the plane right to the right to the rink hour and a half bag skate down and back, probably the hardest bag skate of my life. I remember I was crawling off the ice uh, in, in Salvatula, Russia. So that was uh, one story of Bob, uh, you know, asserting his dominance on me.
1: That's when you're like, yeah, I think I'm just going to go to Vekwa and uh, enjoy Sweden for a little bit here. Hey, Steve yeah, here, we... We got to talk about Clever. I I know I've kept you for a while. We got to talk about Clever, what you're up to. This is awesome. Hey, I know everyone loves you on Sportsnet as well, but you got something else cool. So let's talk about this business venture here and what you're doing with that.
2: Yeah. So I still plan to do Sportsnet, you know, radio and once a week on TV, but Clever is pretty much my heart and soul right now. It's something when I was done hockey, I didn't know what I was going to do. So A lot of parents, especially in the age of 10 to 15, wanted to send me clips of their kids that I could annotate and edit them and send back to them just to teach them things, right? So basically, I got together with a partner of mine, uh, one business partner, coach of the Kelowna Rockets and my one brother, and we started to uh, envision what we wanted Clever to be because there was no tech out there that allowed us to do exactly what we wanted to do. And so we designed uh, this camera function that allows us to catch the quality moments And we also have uh, a super simple edit studio and the uh, the easability of sharing. So that's when you look at Clever, you see clip, edit, share. It's just a flow function that allows a parent or a coach to do something simply and easily, uh, very efficiently. So it's an exciting venture. We're going to be launching, hopefully, we're shooting for the end of October to get it to the public. We currently have uh, 280 beta users because we've kept the pool small just to gather data on different types of users, how they use it, where they use it, when they use it, and also between the coaches, parents, and athletes, the differences that they'll, the way they'll use the app. So um, if you do want to, you know, ever reach out about the beta users over the next month and a half before we launch, just have anyone reach out to my email. You can put it in a link, Press underscore V at K L E V R dot a I. But this is, this is something where, uh, I really wanted to give back, especially to the youth sport community. This isn't just for hockey. Uh, we're going to market through hockey, but this is for every sport. We have rodeo on our app already. We have soccer, baseball, hockey, uh, rugby. We have numerous training, uh, types of, uh, training, um, activities. So it's, it's, uh, it's a youth sport app for everyone. And we actually already have, uh, a couple of pro um you know pro goalie coaches using this as well just because the ease of use factor about our app so it's been crazy we shot for a youth sport market but we've seen to be a lot of people in the pro market are using it for individual skill basis analysis as well so i know this is a lot to take in uh, that i just said but it's uh, i'm so passionate about it and i'm so excited for everyone to see it soon
1: you know you're an Alberta kid when you put rodeo second to hockey. That uh, that sticks out Steger. Yeah. Hey man, I appreciate it. Anything else you, you want to plug? You got a plug here while I got you. I know obviously clever's gonna be coming out, you said hopefully soon. Anything else you got in the works?
2: No, that's pretty much it. I just uh we're just every day uh on clever, focusing on the tech, and then we're gonna be going into a seed round race for our our company uh, at the end of October and that's where we're really going to try to take Clever to the next level Um, but yeah, that's just right now we're so focused on tech and and then obviously for myself uh, with Sportsnet and Hockey starting back up I'll be focused on that as well so it's going to be a busy few months but it's exciting times.
1: Unreal. Well hey Chris, we'll connect down the road thank you so much for your time, I appreciate it. Amazing,
2: yeah amazing, thank you for uh, the call
1: Sport Travel Tours is the
0: official tour supplier to the Spangler Cup Ice Hockey Tournament in Switzerland. Nestled amongst the stunning Swiss Alps is the exclusive resort of Davos. This December, teams from all around the world will compete in the world's oldest invitational hockey tournament, the Spangler Cup. Sport Travel Tours packages include incredible hotels, amazing tickets, and a New Year's Eve party in the mountains to remember. Check out sporttraveltours.com today. Go back 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 back
1: world hockey report cody jansen here it's presented by lord co auto parts find a store near you at lordco.com let's head back to the QuackStats hotline and bring on our friend from the great state of minnesota it's pat Micheletti. join joining us pat Caprizov gets his deal i know we had talked before you said eight nine million dollars was going to be the range well they settled on nine in a five-year deal were you surprised anything stick out to you
5: well, I'm. 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 A, first of all, uh, you know, I think uh, the whole state of Minnesota uh, can breathe a little bit easier now that uh, that he is signed. Um, you know, I. I think as, as i told you guys before, I, I never thought money was going to be the issue uh, with the Minnesota Wild. Um, and you know, this this whole deal came down to the number of years. It was termed from the get go. Um, you know, one side, the CapriSoft side, wanted, you know, uh, a shorter term deal. And and obviously, Minnesota, uh, wanted the, you know, to, to, to go the max and go eight years. And, you know, ultimately, it's, uh, where I thought they would settle at about, you know, the five, the five year range, maybe four, but it ended up being five. And, um, you know, I, I think both sides are happy. I think, you know, obviously Minnesota would have, have loved to have gotten this done, you know, a couple of months ago. But uh, but he is in town. He is uh, vaccinated. Um, he is quarantined, and he will be on the ice tomorrow with uh, uh, at the start
1: of camp. Now you know Minnesota Wild fans better than anyone here. How quick, and especially with all the drama that this caused this offseason, how quick are they going to turn on him if he has another rough start to the season? Especially since his division this year is going to be a lot tougher than last year.
5: Well, you know, uh, you know the the, the the way I look at this uh, at this team, you know, they bought out Parisi, they bought out Suter, um, you know, they're they're. They they need to get they, they still needed to get younger and hence probably the buyouts. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me if this team uh, took a step back uh, from what they did a year ago, and, and I say that more in, in still of that transitional phase. You know they've got uh, uh, Marco Rossi who's healthy and in camp. They have Matt Boldy, uh, their previous number one in camp. Um, and, and those guys are going to, are, are going to really push for spots and they're going to be a better team a year from now, um, because those guys are going to get the experience that they need. Uh, you know, you, you just don't see many young guys coming in and being a major force uh, of a team. Um, and, and so it's going, it's going to take some time. I will tell you, they will compete, um, like they did. They have a different attitude as I alluded to with you before. Um, So, you know, I I, I think they'll, um, you know, I I don't think they'll be as good as they were a year ago, but I still think they're good enough to make the playoffs.
1: Now, with the way his contract is structured in years four and five, he's got a no-move clause as well. Obviously, the Wild bought a couple of UFA years off of him. Do you think that that's put in place so that he can guarantee himself to go to UFA and, if that happens, likely get out of Minnesota? Do you think that's the reason why, Maybe obviously he avoided an eight-year deal, but also his agent threw in the no-move clause in those last couple of years. Well,
5: there's a, there's a little give and take. The you know the agent wanted a bonus, and uh, in, in lieu of not giving him a bonus, uh, only one player in uh, Minnesota Wild history under Bill Guerin has gotten a bonus when he signed, and that was um, Jared Spurgeon uh, when he signed his deal a year ago. He got. Fifteen uh, percent of his total contract, which was about eight million in in bonus money. Um, so, it, 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 in, in like I said, in lieu of not giving him the bonus, they gave him the no move. Listen, um, they're just happy to have him signed for five years, and you know they they you know they treat him very well here. He loves it here. Uh, the fans love him here, and you know we're we're just gonna have to see. You know how things shake out. You know after the five years is over. I mean, if they're close to winning a cup, um, you know, if he feels that, you know, this is a team in an area that he wants to stay in. It, 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 there's there's so many factors that are involved, but ultimately, right now, um, they know they have not tied up for the next five years.
1: Now, now, Pat, I, I got one more for you because my text line's going off here, and if I feel uh, appease the goalie fan community. They're going to be pretty pissed off at me. But Capo, yeah. Ka- or, uh, Ka-Kan and Net, there. You know what's what's your expectations for him for this upcoming season?
5: Well, I think he'll play the same role he did last year. Um, you know, Cam Talbot was terrific uh, for for Minnesota, and he'll be the number one guy, and he'll get the majority of the work. And and if you recall when Camp tell that went down, he had COVID, he had another injury. Uh Capo came in and, and played I think he won nine in a row. But then he then he you know, he then he got to a point and I saw this uh when he was down in Iowa. When you play him too much, he gets awfully tired and his body is still growing and maturing. Um, but he's a hell of a backup and uh you know, I'm sure he'll get his 25. You know, maybe 30 games in, um, in this season, and uh, and he still has room to gr- still has room to grow, and you know, will will eventually be a number one in time. But uh, you know, I know they're very happy that he'll be back uh, also with this team
1: for sure. And I got a quick one for you. You're a college hockey analyst as well. Does anyone touch Michigan this year, or do you think they're uh, gonna be kings of the world?
5: Well, I tell you what, you look at, you know, you look on paper, you know, and and you guys know we don't play the game on paper, right? Uh, But you look on paper, seven first round draft picks, um, they're young kids still, and they're all going to play in the NHL. They're all great players, um, but you have to mature. You have to get bigger, stronger, um, all of those things. Uh, Listen, they're certainly going to be in the mix as one of the top teams in the country that does not guarantee you winning the national championship. I looked at a team like St. Cloud who got to that game last year. They were young. They've got everybody back. Um, They don't have the high flying names that Michigan or Minnesota or Boston college does, but you know, they're, they're, they're going to be a team that's going to be, you know, one of the top teams in the country. Listen guys, this year in, in college hockey is going to be, um, one of the most competitive that I've seen in a long time, just because of the fact that uh, it gave guys another year to come back and uh, you're older, you're more mature. Um, and, and then along with your, uh, some of your younger players, uh, it, it, it's going to be a really good season.
1: Pat, thank you so much for your time today. Always appreciate your insight. You're the best.
5: Thank you guys. Anytime.
1: Pat McLedy right there. College and NHL analyst, former NHLer as well. Get some insight on Kaprizov, get some insight on Kakinen, Talbot, the whole Minnesota wild shebang. I'm not sure. Are they a fourth seed when it comes into the playoffs this year? Are they one of those wild card teams? Will be interesting to see. Join the conversation as always, whether you're watching 12 Ounce Sports, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, World Hockey Report, follow us on Twitter at RPT. I'm there personally at Janner31 underscore. Now it's time for the the not so fun conversation to have, and we got to get to it because it is important that it gets talked about, and that's Evander Kane. And why has he not been suspended by the San Jose Sharks or the NHL right now? Yes, they are allegations right now by his wife. And I'm a big believer in, you know, trust the victim. But for Vander Kane to still have a chance to play hockey this year while being under investigation, and this isn't just investigation for gambling. This is a million times bigger when you come out with sexual assault, abuse, potential rape charges, this is a million times bigger than gambling. You can't compare it. Gambling is in the backseat right now. And the fact that San Jose, the Sharks, haven't placed him on leave. And don't give me this whole, oh, innocent tell proven guilty. Look at what Vancouver did with Jake Virtanen. So you can't tell me that this hasn't been dealt with in a similar fashion before. Vancouver was proactive with it. San Jose is sitting back, hoping this gets swept under the rug. And these, you know, these allegations, they keep getting worse and worse. So for the hockey community to stay silent on this, for as many major media members to stay silent on this and not pressure San Jose a little bit here? I don't know. I got issues. Let me know, though. Join the conversation anytime. Hit us up. We don't really have time to open up the phone lines here. But hey, everyone knows Chris Versteeg. That was an awesome interview. really appreciate him taking the time. Go check out Clever once it is out. I'm on it early. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that actually. But I got on Versteeg. Steger hooked me up here. I got on it. It's incredible. I'm telling you, this app is going to change the way. It's. I'm not a TikTok guy or anything. It's kind of like that. Kind of like an Instagram. But, it, you know, it's it's the place to be. If you're a coach, if you're doing training, if you're a media member, this thing is going to take over. There's already some awesome content being posted. And once it's released to the public, it's going to blow up. So Chris and Mitch Versteeg, I mean, million-dollar idea, right? Uh, millions, millions. I don't want to shoot them shy. It's uh, huge, huge, huge. And he, he was brought to you by Sports Travel Tours. Everyone knows my favorite hockey tournament of the year is the Spangler Cup. Starts on Boxing Day, just like the World Juniors, but it's got a little bit of a different flair to it. And the great people at Sports Travel Tours want you to experience it as well. Different packages available, and you can check them all out at sportstraveltours.com. It's Cody Jansen with you live from the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios in beautiful Alberta World Hockey Report, presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. I've already given my thoughts on the Oilers, thoughts on how they're they're letting down their team. They are In fact, letting down their team by inviting an unvaccinated player to take part in main camp when they had a roster member miss significant time and possibly have his career ended. Likely have his career ended by post-COVID symptoms and heart issues. Who takes the fault for this? Let me know. I'd love to know your opinion. Am I overreacting here? Am I the one blowing this out of proportion? Because freedom of choice, you're right, I don't care. I don't want to see anyone's hockey career ended because of a choice you make. Especially, especially when it comes to vaccinations. Also, this one's just coming out here. The Vancouver Canucks announced that uh, players and staff are scheduled to be fully vaccinated against COVID by opening night. Good for them. You've seen it. I think Tampa Bay is also one of the teams. New Jersey isn't 100%. They've got one unvaccinated player, I believe. Boston, they're 100%. I don't know. I mean, this is from Todd Reynolds, who represents Tyler Bertuzzi. He said he's not going to disclose the reason why his client has declined to be vaccinated. If the player wants to address the reasons, that's fine. But we see it as a private medical matter, so it's no one's business. Well, us see, NHL's business. They're the ones that employ him. We'll leave it at that. Huge thanks, though, to everyone who chimed in our social media manager, Eric Krause, our lead producer, Bryce Buns, Adam Ermanshout, regular World Hockey Report contributor, and of course to our guest, Christopher Steeg, former NHLer. He was awesome. That was a blast. Pat McCluddy as well. Can't appreciate his insight and the calls at the start. Hoppy hopped on the line. Got us in. Go check out his uh, podcast, The Soda Pot. That's going to do it. Hey, we got a world champion on the show tomorrow. I guess I should probably tease that too. Uh, Yeah, she wore the red and white. She won gold. She was one of the standout players of the world championships. No big deal. You're going to hear from her tomorrow on World Hockey Report. You don't want to miss it. Same time, same place. And as always, everyone, be kind, be better.